Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Monday, October 26, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody, to Mind Shifters Radio. We're honored that you choose to join us, and we're certainly honored to uh, to get to be here and to engage in this ancient pursuit of maintaining a human life of really, truly living as the presence of love in a world where that's pretty much become passe, where that's pretty much disappeared and to restore the use of the ancient teachings in the Aramaic language that were delivered by Yeshua to support a a singular purpose. And the singular purpose wasn't to form a, a political power structure or religious structure. The man named Yeshua, popularly known as Jesus, wasn't his name. His name was not Hail Zeus, Jesus. His name was Yeshua. Not a very acceptable name in the Greco-Roman world, a Jewish rabbi. And so they came up with a name that people would find acceptable in. Everybody knew Zeus, and so Hail Zeus, Jesus became his name. And those who uh, think that it's all about just saying some sort of magic words are going to be really disappointed when they don't even know the name of the man. But if you listen to his words, and it's interesting how many people want to listen to everybody else but him when he's real crisp and real clear what it's all about. He says, this isn't a religious journey. He says, I come to bring you life and bring it more abundantly. Man, out of those teachings, have created an anesthetic for their pain. They've utilized it as a way to reinforce terror and abuse. When, in fact, the teachings were about how to really, truly live a human life. And we have a simple definition for a human life. You know, people can get lost in the intellect of conversations about all sorts of things and definitions of words that have been changed and misused. If we listen to the original teacher of forgiveness, we'll find that forgiveness was about removing what never belonged from the structure, it wasn't about letting somebody else off the hook because those things were in our structure. And the way you get to really, truly live a real human life, and and again, hold a newborn child, you get a direct experience of love, is you've got to be about removing what isn't love, what isn't from your true nature. And when you do that, you get to live the truth of a human life. That is, you get to incarnate in your physiology this awesome act of presence of love, 
which is what we're designed for. From the beginning, from day one, you and I were designed, we started out as this sweet, awesome act of presence of love. And unfortunately, because of the way this carbon-based memory system works, the so-called body-mind unit works, it can be brainwashed to believe absolutely anything. It, it can actually be brainwashed in the name of a man who says, I come to bring you life and bring it more abundantly, that suffering is the way to get there. I mean, people actually believe that. Oh, just suffer long suffering in this world and then in some other world, <clears throat> you're not going to be able to come back and disprove it. In some other world, then everything's going to be cool. What a fraud. What a scam. Life more abundantly. To live in this awesome active presence of love. And that's a hard thing to hear if you live in a world where hostility, rage, guilt, grief, pain, drama, and trauma are the order of the day. Escaping from that insanity is a powerful thing to do. And forgiveness is the key. And it can be done in a generation. It can be done very rapidly, or I should say, the insanity can be undone very rapidly relative to how long it took to brainwash us and lock us into the insane states that the world, by and large, calls normal. When we start to invest our time, our intelligence, our money, and our energy into the truth of who we are and learn to undo all other conversations, then human life shows up. And it's always awesome when it does. We're here to support the showing up of human life. And we're glad that you're here to be part of that process. If anything you hear on the show really fits and makes sense for you, we invite you to download the archive, which will be up very shortly after the show, and pass it on to somebody. Put it on thumbnail drive, attach it to an email, send it to somebody that it might be meaningful for. Pass the tools along. We would appreciate that support. So, Ginny, do we have Dr. Tim with us today? We do, when he's on. Dr. Tim, how do you be, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm coming off of a... What's exciting in your world? Well, these tools and um, people who, as we we talked about on Thursday, that we had another support group where there was just one other person and myself. And I've been thinking about several times over the weekend that came to mind how powerful that is when you just keep doing the tools. You hold the space. You, you, you know, even if nobody else shows up, I still hold the group because over the years I've done this, we've had some people who show up half an hour, 45 minutes late. So even on those times when there's been a snowstorm or, you know, because everybody else has some big party to go to, I'm the only one here. I still stay and watch the video and do a worksheet or two and then pack up and go. And and we've had this conversation because several people who have started work uh, these support groups have let them slide or stop doing them because only one or two other people showed up. And I just want to put in a bid for maintaining that process, even if you're the only one doing it, you know, holding that space and doing the work, you get the benefit, even if nobody else shows up. And when more and more people show up, whether it's one, two, three, or 17, it, it changes. It's not necessarily better. It's just different. And it's valuable, even if there's, just one person or there's only two people there to hold the space for each other and do a worksheet 
and listen to or watch a video and just get exposed to the material at another level. And I realized, you know, as I go through these processes month after month, year after year, I'm a whole different person in a very real way than I was a year ago when I was watching these videos or listening to these radio shows. And so they offer me something different. And so that's my offering for today is just to support people in either starting or maintaining a support group. Or if you're not the kind of person who feels like he or she can just start one on your own, find one in your area even if you have to drive away. Most of the people who've come to any number of these groups have given testimonials in the groups about the value to them and how it was worth the long drive or it was, you know, paid paid dividends that they hadn't imagined it would pay. So, so that's my offering for today. And let me add to that, too, um, if anybody's like, well, how do I start a support group or what do I do? Like Dr. Tim said, even if it's just you and one other person to start with, and and staying consistent is a big thing. You know, some people are like, you know, they'll have one meeting and then they'll decide at the end of that meeting when they're going to have the next meeting. And and so then that people weren't there, they don't know about it. And so being consistent, and I say, you know, if you're only going to do it twice a month, instead of saying every other week, say the first and the third you know, whatever, Monday or Tuesday or the second and the fourth. That way, regardless of of the time or day or whatever, people know if it's the first and third or if it's the second and fourth or whatever, instead of going, well, was it, is it every other week? Is this the other week or is this the, you know, and then they don't have to even go there and think about it. But you can go to our website, which is www.whyagain.org and click on healing. And under that, you'll see the word support. And then it talks about mind shifter support groups. And there's uh, things out there like uh, mind shifter group guides. There's letters from people who have run support groups before. There's a section that says start a support group. There's one that says find a support group. And that is actually out there by state, alphabetical order. So you can click and see where there is a support group near you. But um, all of the things, uh, the guidelines and things like that, it's just suggestions based on what myself and other people have seen and run into in starting a support group and that way you don't have to start from scratch you kind of have a basis and kind of know where you go from there and most people most groups do like dr tim they will watch an hour of one of the dvds and there's 15 dvds soon to be 20 dvds but right now there's 15 so you figure if you only watch an hour a week You've got 30 weeks. You've got almost a year's worth of of support groups uh, if you met every week. But anyway, most groups will watch an hour of a DVD, and then they'll spend the second hour or however long you set it up. I would suggest at least the two hours, but the second hour then doing worksheets together. And I've had some groups say, you know, well, do we have to do the worksheets? And I think that's a major part of it, don't you, Dr. Tim? I think if you just met and watched – uh, the DVD and then just sat around and talked, you would miss a big part of it. I think actually experiencing doing the worksheets with each other is a big part of it. Agreed. And we have a lot of people who've commented over the years that they get far more out of doing a worksheet in the group than they get out of doing them at home alone. Right. And as Michael says, <clears throat> You know, that's that's a great thing to realize how powerful the worksheets are when you do them in the group. That's like a seven-course meal or a full banquet. But we don't survive on, you know, big gourmet seven-course meals and full banquets. We survive on our day-to-day intake of what sustains us. And that's where doing the work even between the groups is what moves most people forward. So, exactly. But... The way most people get to the point where they can do the worksheets on their own is that they've been taught and then supported in doing them at least in a, a one-on-one, if not a group format. So it's, I think it's really important to do the worksheets in the group. And I'd say we hit a probably about a 
90 to 95% of the time, we end up doing a worksheet. There are occasions where, you know, we do two and a half hour long groups. There are occasions where after a short break, after watching the video, the discussion is so full and so active that we run out of time without time to do a worksheet. But it's relatively rare. Right. And and for those who don't know, when we're talking about worksheets, for the most part we're talking about the reality management wake-up sheet. However, there's worksheets out there for almost every DVD. And uh, so you can, you know, if you're watching a particular DVD, then you can, you know, download the worksheet for that one. Uh, that's what the uh, support team here is actually doing too. They're working on that as they watch DVDs, and they're pulling the worksheet that goes along with it and and following along. There's uh, a little section out there that says, you know, when do I use what tool? Because some people, you know, the responsibility communication may be a perfect tool for them. Others, you know, might be the mind goal management or the mind shifters. So there's different tools, just like in your regular toolbox. You have screwdrivers and hammers and pliers and, you know, different times, different events, you need a different tool. And so that's all out there as well. And I was just looking as I was talking and and uh, somewhere out there I also have um, there's variations of the wake-up sheets there is uh, like Dr. Tim you have one out there that you do and a uh, quick form or a ver- verbal short form Magda's got one out there the Androkis have one out there so there's variations of the wake-up sheets as well so uh, if you know, you run into one that uh, you can't find that for some reason I've missed it, drop me a line. It's Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at whyagain.org, and let me know. Or if you, for that re- matter, if you run into any links that don't work or whatever, um, click on that and uh, let me know so that I can correct it. And we do have a hand up. Michael, are you with us? Okay. He said I am, but you can't hear him on the phone. <laughs> I hear him from the other room. Okay, so the uh, first caller is area code 616. You're on the air. Hi. My name is Hi. Pat, and I just am getting introduced to your material over the last few months. And um, I just wanted to thank you for doing all this work, and uh, I'm just really excited about um, delving into it. We've been – I'm in a group um, – the 30-day forgiveness adventure in Grand Rapids with Bill. Awesome. Um, he's a, he's a and, phenomenal teacher too, isn't he, Pat? Oh, he's awesome. He's um, just been great for um, the group and everybody introducing us to all the different uh, worksheets, concepts, food. Um, it's um, been an adventure so far, and, um, well, I'm just kind of overwhelmed at the t- at the moment, but, you know, He's helping us get through that, <laughs> so um, it's it's. Uh, I think it's really going to be helpful uh, personally for me, and uh, I think my other group members feel the same way. So, just wanted to thank you again for making it available, and <clears throat> you know, the the worksheet just being able to print it out. It's it's wonderful. Awesome, and you actually got to uh, being a part of his. 30-day adventure, you also got to participate in another tool that is not generally out there for the um, general public to use, and that's the personal code evaluation. How accurate yes. did you feel that fail? Well, it really surprised me, Which and, and so it was like my first reaction was, wait a minute, that's not, that can't be true. So, of course, it is, you know. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I, I recognize that. Um, and you, I said to him yesterday, we're we're meeting every Sunday from 12 to 5, so I said to him yesterday that I said I feel like I'm at the top of a ski hill, a a really icy ski hill, and I'm afraid to go down. And, um, well, he said, um, you know, there's a lot of little bunny hills. It's not, you know, you don't have to start at the very top. So that was helpful. It's 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 all been it's all been good. And he, yeah, he is a wonderful teacher and um, continues to be supportive. Always open, you know, waiting, you know, t- 
to answer questions. You can call them anytime. And yeah, so it's it's been great. I'm thinking about. I'm hoping I would be able to go to the February um, uh, retreat that you guys have going in Florida. So I'm trying to work awesome. work that out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Is there a deadline to sign up for that or? The you deadline know? for signing up for it will be when it's full, and it's not full oh, yet. I see. So, <laughs> oh, okay, you know when it fills up. Okay. If you if you want to drop us a note and um, just mm-hmm. give us contact information, uh, or maybe Jeannie's mm-hmm. got it, then we can put you on the list. And if it's starting, you know, if it looks like it's getting full, then I'll certainly contact you before it, uh, the oh, last space goes. Oh, cool. and reserve that for you Great. so you have an opportunity to to do that. Oh, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. And, and as far as the, that. yeah, as far as the icy slope goes, it's all uphill. Yeah. As you start to well, do your work, <laughs> what you're going to find is you just, you know, you learn how to fall uphill, and it, it becomes oh. just uh, one of the most exciting journeys uh, when you start moving through. You know, I, I'm reminded of uh, oh, a few years back we were in Hawaii. This is probably one of the most dramatic results we've had, and we usually don't get to go back to a center within a very short time of of doing a series mm-hmm. of workshops. And we were in Hawaii, and it was actually kind of difficult because it was we started off in the, the first week in January. We did a, a series at Unity and Diamond Head, and, uh, mm-hmm. and then we were going over to a couple of the other islands. And they had such a response that they asked us to come back. And so we, we actually had to stay an extra week in Hawaii in February. It was really kind oh, of Oh, not bad. You know, we, sure. we did it. We did it. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but the second series that we did, we had three different people that came to us and said that they were planning suicide that Ooh. first week of workshops that they came to. Wow. And all three of them were excited about their lives. They weren't finished with what they had to do, but they were excited and could see a way out now that they had tools for unloading the burdens that, you know, the world tells us, oh, well, you just have to carry those burdens and put up with it. You know, we'll, we'll sure. give you a few coping t- skills, but you just have to yeah. carry it. And the fact is you don't have to carry yeah. any of it, you know, so it's pretty you exciting. Don't. Fantastic. That's great. Well, I just wanted to say hello. Part of my homework assignment, by the way, is to call in and uh, ask a question or make a comment so I can check that off my list. <laughs> cool. Well, so, any question we can answer for you, anything way we can support I, you specifically with with what you're working on? At the moment, uh, no, I can't think of anything because okay. there are so many different things going through my head, but... Uh, you know, I Monday's my day off. It's an easy way day for me to call in if I do have a question coming, you know, upcoming. So I'll be I'll be listening. So so thank you so much. Appreciate your work and very much. Pat, uh, all yeah. I have is your your name and your email. So if you would drop me an email, and I think you've got my email. We had when you were getting signed up yes. for the evaluation. Right. Yes. If you would just drop me an email with your phone number. Sure. Great. Okay, awesome. Yes, I will do that. Thank you very much. Have a great You're day, welcome. guys. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Delighted to hear from you, Pat. That's awesome. I love it. I love how many people are picking up the gauntlet and, uh, you know, decentralizing the whole process and putting it into people's hands. And, and I've shared this story before on the show, but uh, it seems appropriate to share it at this moment. When I first wrote Why Is This Happening to Me Again, and that was back in the early 90s, and was getting ready to publish it, I had a, a friend, Jim Redfield, who wrote Celestine Prophecy, who presented my book to his editor at Warner Books, the largest publisher in the world. And Jim had had the second best-selling book in the world in 1995, and his editor said, Michael, we want your book. This is this is something this time has come. And uh, in, in a meditation, I was given a, a visual. Of course, I was quite excited. It's like, all right, you know, we've arrived. But in a meditation, I was given some very clear directives not to do that. And they came in the form of, I had a, a, a picture, like the blue planet from space, you know, looking at the Earth from space that we got to see when they did the moonshot. And what I was shown was a spike on top of the planet. And the, what the message that came with it was, if I do that, if I went with Warner Books and made this big splash, that there would be a spike built. And because freeing people from the chains that keep them locked down is such a threat to the game, what I was shown is that spike would be knocked over and that would be the end of it. 
So I was guided to not do that, and then I was shown a second shot of the planet from space, and there was a thin layer all around the planet, and the thin layer grew to the level of the spike in an instant. And it was so decentralized that, you know, nobody could touch it. So now the book is translated into Russian, Spanish, Swedish, Farsi. Uh, let's see, what else is out there? German. And it's being translated into French, Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, Thai, and Arabic. The thin layers around the planet and more and more getting the signals that it's critical mass time. It's it's ready for a shift. And so so we just invite you to hold the space and uh and see that thin layer. You know, Dr. Tim's working with it there, we're working with it here. You know, there's a support group in Timbuk two and Timbuk three. You know, there are people all over the globe working with it individually and in groups. So so just hold the space for the time to be ripe for a shift. And and the shift we're looking for is, you know, when the, when Yeshua 2,000 years ago said a little leavening leavens the whole loaf, I think we're pretty, pretty safe in assuming he wasn't talking about bread. What was he talking about when he said a little leavening leavens the whole loaf? Well, he was a physicist, and in physics – that leavening that leavens the whole loaf would be critical mass. And you'll, if you're familiar with the world of physics, you can have a, a substance that has certain characteristics and behaviors, and you can mix it with a significant amount of another substance, and yet it will remain, it will retain, pardon me, its original characteristics. However, when you hit critical mass, you can just put one more drop of the second substance in and it totally transforms the original. Well, what we're looking to do is to support the incarnation of human life, that is, hold the newborn child, the awesome active presence of love, to bring that so fully into expression in enough so-called bodies that we create a critical mass and the presence of that critical mass of love on the planet is what's going to awaken our Hitlers, you know, our Saddam Husseins, our, you know, whoever's doing the insanity because the power of the presence of love dissolves insanity. And so that's, precisely what we're working for and that's precisely why we do things the way we do them and of course why this show is here and to create the support that takes us to every mind heart and being on the planet is what it's all about and so any way that you can support that happening pass the worksheet on to someone else walk somebody else through a worksheet hand somebody else the communication tool Bring somebody to a support group. Bring somebody to an intensive. If you choose to do some sort of financial support of what we're doing, you know, we travel generally six to ten months of the year, although we're changing that this year. It's a little more of a challenge because we're going to be kind of sitting still and not out there teaching. So support would be appreciated as we rewrite Why Is This Happening to Me Again and and uh, Jeannie gets her book completed and we take the work to the next level. So. Any way you can assist and support moving it forward, it would be deeply appreciated. And, you know, we're getting close to that critical mass. And, and fortunately, of course, there are a lot of people coming from a lot of different perspectives that are moving the planet in exactly the same direction. And so each and every one of those people is deeply appreciated. So, Jeannie, do we have anybody with a hand up? We do, and we had a question. Uh, this was actually uh, texted to me uh, the other day and just haven't had a chance to ask it on the show yet, and that is to extend the difference in, you know, we talk about holding people accountable for their behavior when it's off target. And, right. Uh, the question was formed, isn't that judging? And I said, no. I said, you can, you know, be in a totally connected space of love 
and be able to intelligently see that their behavior is off target and for them to be held accountable for that behavior. You know, and I use the example of some extremes, you know, of people, you know, like attacking someone, raping or robbing or whatever. And it was like, yeah, but they've broken as a law of the land or a rule. And uh, is it not different if they've just done something and you've taken offense on it and you're judging them? And so can you explain the difference of how you can hold someone accountable and it not be a judgment? Sure. Yes, that's a that's a good question. And my take would be that when I add my hostility or fear to a circumstance or situation, I'm now in judgment. When I join with my mind's hostility or fear and perception about what you did, I'm locked in judgment. When I can stand in a connected space of love and see that, you know, a person who's walking toward the cliff in five steps is going to fall off and die. I don't have to judge them for that. I want to pull them back from the edge. So, and, and one of the places where I, I learned this principle, and I, I love to talk about uh, Judge Acid D. Kelly. Judge Kelly was a Superior Court judge in Albany, Georgia. He had been the head of corrections for the state of Georgia, Georgia's a pretty rough state, and Albany's probably one of the toughest towns in Georgia. And when he would have someone, he was a Superior Court judge, head of the Superior Court, and when he would have someone come before him who had done heinous crimes, I mean, unbelievable things, he was a judge, but did he judge them? Well, if someone came before him who had done something that was inappropriate, illegal in the community, damaging to the community, he would explain to them that he loved them and that the community had taken up a collection and built a building with a set of bars and asked him to determine who was safe in the community and who wasn't. So, out of a space of love for his community and the person who stood before him who did this heinous crime, he would sentence a man to life in prison. And out of love in his heart would offer he was doing it to protect his community. And by the way, if you'd like to heal, I will sentence you to laws of living. A course that we developed under Judge Kelly's guidance and at his request, to take into the prisons to assist in getting people free of criminal behavior. We cut recidivism by over 90% with that course. That's one of the ones we're doing in Florida in February. So Kelly, as a judge, did not judge people in the sense of judge not lest you be judged. If Kelly had said, oh, you did that terrible, oh, that's so awful, that's, well, mm, he'd have been traumatizing his own field and getting lost in judgment. As opposed to, this fits in the community, this doesn't. This is not safe in the community, and so we're going to lock you behind bars. So if I choose to hold somebody accountable for their behavior, you know, I'm in interaction with someone and we make an agreement, and that person I make an agreement with says, well, I'm just not keeping my agreement. I don't have to judge them to hold them accountable for their agreement. Excuse me, you said you'd do this, and so I'm going to insist that you do what you said you would do. And I'll use whatever resources are in my hand to support me in doing that because that's what's right and fair. So we don't have to be in judgment in order to uh, assess that something is out of harmony with the highest and best for myself, for yourself, or for the community. I don't have to be in judgment in order to do something about that. And if I find myself lost in some sort of hostility or fear about it, that's my work. If I can't hold to the space of active love in the presence of your behavior, your behavior isn't the problem. And I got no business judging you. It's me that's the problem. I have work to do. And as I clean up my mind, space of love, I can certainly see where inappropriate things are happening and 
hold accountability for those things. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Cool. So let's take our caller, area code 765. Hi there. Hey, young lady, how are you? <laughs> I'm hanging in there, Michael. What's <laughs> oh, exciting up there in Indiana? In Indiana? Um, well, getting through, I mean, having the breakthrough and the blessing and all the good stuff, it's just so I didn't even get the moment to embrace that. And everything started coming out of the woodwork at me, kind of. And I'm processing these things as much as I, I possibly can by my onesie here. So I need you now. Um, How can we support you? I don't know if this is some kind of strange energy I am carrying or if I'm serving others somehow. But I did lose my composure. It got to be too much. And then I, as we were just speaking of, maintained my personal accountability. And even still, it was not hurt. And I'm like, oh, wow, ouch. So I'm processing and doing my part at this point. Just take it with a grain of salt. Just look at this person who is spewing their weirdness at me and just holding the space of love and trying to get through all of it. And I don't know what it's about. What can I do at this point? Well, what is it that you're feeling You'll give me a few more well, clues about what's going on. In different instances, it's been you know publicly you know public humiliation, embarrassment, um, disrespected, unappreciated, and those are you know, like four key words. And I don't know that I try to do worksheets on all four key words. I'd be doing worksheets around all four key words. Okay, so like. With the um, example of embarrassed, how would I start that worksheet? Like the subject is embarrassment. Well, there's several, there's several different approaches that you could take. Several different worksheets you could do around that issue. One might be with your name in number one C, and I'm embarrassed. My mind tells me it's because Charlie did this, and then. So my feeling is embarrassment, and Charlie did something and brings my embarrassment up. What's my thought? My thought is I'm not good enough. I don't do it right. So if if the thought is I'm not good enough and I'm embarrassed to be shown out there in the world as being not good enough, then my goal obviously would be to be good enough, and I'd cancel my goal to be good enough, and that collapses the embarrassment that comes out of that file, so to speak, in my mind. And as I collapse that and I'm able to drop into it, I get to look at the root of embarrassment. Maybe it's a generational issue. Maybe I've had, you know, 100 generations of women who've, who've been embarrassed over, you know, issues in their lives. And so my work in that case is to collapse and heal my embarrassment, not change what Charlie does. What Charlie does is about Charlie. Now, I may hold Charlie accountable for his behavior, but while I'm embarrassed, I'm not likely going to have a very intelligent mind to hold him accountable. Maybe his behavior was totally inappropriate. Maybe, let's say, legally inappropriate. Yeah, and so, I've been as you know, as I can be for these people that are very, very stressed, and it's just like, but why am I your dick dog? <laughs> you know, like I, I'm well, humble here. Well, you're honest, the one, but, <laughs> but because you volunteered by holding embarrassment to be engaged. Ah. If you had no embarrassment, you know, my mind tells me I'm embarrassed because Charlie did this. The truth is I'm embarrassed because I have embarrassment in me. Uh-huh. That's what I was saying earlier. Is what I can't hold a space of love for is my work. So if I'm in a situation where I have the capacity for embarrassment, forgiveness isn't about me letting Charlie off the hook because I'm embarrassed. Forgiveness is about me dropping into the part of my mind that holds embarrassment and freeing myself of embarrassment. If I'm feeling as though, or actually it's a thought, if I'm thinking I'm not being respected and I'm angry about not being respected, then that's my opportunity to forgive my anger and to free myself of the pain 
around what I perceive to be not being respected, which might take me right back to not being good enough. And so I might be, once again, canceling my goal to be good enough and dropping into part of my mind that he, that feels, you know, that that energy that is less than love. And all the while, you know, again, Charlie maybe is doing something that's illegal, so it might be appropriate for me to hold him legally accountable in the context of our conversation about accountability. But I really don't want to bother doing that until I've healed my embarrassment and my thoughts about not being good enough because when I'm in the pain of embarrassment and not being good enough, my perception is degraded and I'm not going to be as intelligent as I could be. The the power and the beauty of first century Arabic forgiveness is when I engage in it around my issues and free myself of my issues, I get to have a more intelligent mind to function from, to function more fully and more wholly out of the true presence of human life, love, being that I am, rather than out of the generational patterns of embarrassment and fear and humility and being humiliated and not being good enough and blah, 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 blah. So it sounds like Charlie, whoever Charlie is, (laughs) is giving you the gift of healing embarrassment and thoughts about perhaps not being good enough. I thank you. This and there'll be a point. Yeah, there'll be a point where you'll be saying, "Thank you, Charlie. What a gift that was." I didn't like <laughs> it. It wasn't fun. I really didn't enjoy it. But I'm sure glad to be free of that stuff now that I know that it's in me. Well, I appreciate this very much. This, I think, maybe has been a, a case of repetition, repetition. Then you just, I just kind of went into like the, the little brain lock. It's like, okay. I know I know this, and why am I stuck? <laughs> Thank you very much. Delighted. Oh. Honored. Oh. Glad to be oh. on the team. Thank you ever so much. And accolades for the work you are doing and have done. As the uh, the old saying goes, you've come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Thank nice you to be on very the team. much. One and all. One and all. Thank you. All right. Okay, love uh-huh. and blessings. Take care. You too. Oh, uh, you'd almost think that life was uh, was designed to teach us forgiveness, to give us opportunities to look at parts of us that hold energies that are less than love and to learn to release those energies rather than make up stories and scenarios based on those energies and think that the stories and scenarios that we're feeling are really about somebody other than ourselves. And so it's uh, it's a... An amazing, amazing process. Life is designed to be a gift to heal us. And sometimes healing isn't Dr. Feelgood, so we get to touch into those things that are not Dr. Feelgood. But, oh, when you come out the other side, it's so much easier, so much lighter. Jeannie, anybody else with a hand up? Anything else happening in the phone queue? No, nobody else has their hand up. There's several people on the switchboard, so if somebody presses one, you're first in line without waiting. And there's no questions in the chat room. We're just uh, There's several people out there today, but we're just kind of going back and forth. Well, then let's hear from somebody. It would be sweet to have a hand go up, the question, something that we can chew on together a little bit and get some deeper insight into. That's well, always the... Uh, let me, oh, go for let it, me chime in here. Please. Um, I had a... Um, I had the impulse on uh, Friday the 9th to text you or email you, and I thought I had, but apparently I didn't. As a thank you for your response to a caller who was calling about grief and grief related to multiple unexpected young life deaths. And for people who want to tap into that, Michael talked about grief as um, kind of a container of thought that we create with our thoughts and then 
life events come along and fill up this container. And then when we reach the point where we burst into tears or have a breakdown or have some cathartic emotional release, I know that's redundant, but we have this release, then we feel so much better. And Michael was talking about learning to dismantle the actual container which is created out of our thoughts and our belief system about the nature of loss and the nature of death and an early death and our belief that this person should not have died or they should have lived to a long, healthy life or they should have had this or that. And Michael was introducing us to the concept that if we simply cancel those goals and release that thought process, we can actually dismantle the structure of thought which creates for us the response of deep grief and sadness when life evolves or unfolds in a way that's different than what we had planned. And I was deeply moved by the show. I've listened to it several times since then. The second, it's really probably about the last 20 minutes of the show. And um, and it all evolved from somebody calling in and asking a question. So it's, again, we just want to strongly recommend that people raise their hand and ask their questions because that often gives us the most rich experience on the show. And again, that was Friday, uh, October 9th. Michael, you must be on mute. I was on mute. Forgive, Forgive my mute challenge. Sometimes when I hit the mute button, the screen with the mute button disappears, and I have to go through finding it. So, but yeah, it is. It is always the lifeblood of the show to have uh, live questions and live interaction. That um, it, it seems that when somebody is prompted to ask a question, that uh, it really is for the whole community. It's not just for one individual. I've gotten that feedback over and over and over and over again. It's like, oh, man, they asked exactly the question I was thinking of or didn't want to or was afraid to or thought it was too silly or, you know. Well, we've gotten that actually in the uh, chat room today. You were talking to somebody else, and another person wrote and said that that is the balm that they needed to hear. And we do have a hand up. Area code 623, you're on the air. Who do we have? Hello. Good morning or good afternoon. This is, you know me Danita. as Danita. Yeah. I, got your, I got your voice, Lenara. Yay. Yeah. It's good to yes. hear your voice. It's been years. Well, to hear my voice, maybe. I, yes. I was listening last week. I just did impress. I, I, I was listening. People were asking good questions. It's always awesome when people ask good questions. Yes. So what's exciting in your world? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you know, I'm here with my folks in Arizona, right. and um, we are uh, testing out um, respite right now. They They are at a facility, an assisted living facility, and we're testing it out to see if this is what they want to do. It's so interesting. They had this plan for themselves uh, about 10 years ago and had, you know, written up all their documents like a living will and uh, a trust agreement and, you know, wrote out their power of attorney papers for different things. So they were set up to uh, go somewhere. Um, And now because of my mom's strokes and because of her physical condition, um, you know, some some of that shifted a bit, and it's just the reality of being in a facility like that not well, at least my experience of it, is not all that great. So um, Dad wanted to come home last week, and I was like, Dad, we all need some rest, so I don't get the – it's not a good idea for me, and I just had to be, like, real straight with him about it. Um, so – that's what's going on in my neck of the woods, like just getting the reality of some dreams don't look like the dream. That's that's what's going on. Not bad. It's just it's different. 
and it may it, and yeah, it may not serve. You know, there was a, a cartoon uh, thing that I posted on my Facebook page a little while back, and it shows a guy up in the front of a room with an audience, and he asks a question, how many want change? And everybody's, yay, and their hands are up. And then the, the second frame is, and how many want to change? Everybody's head is down low. Nobody's hand is up. And, you know, change can be tough just, just to shift because it creates. You know, when we hold goals and our energy system is set for a certain thing, that change just creates stress that, unfortunately, is, is for most people difficult to manage. And uh, so that's uh, it, it's it's a big adjustment to be able to adapt to. And to me, that's one of the beauties of the forgiveness process is that it creates the space to adapt to and to eliminate the stress of change so that change can happen and be, oh, something different. That's cool. But if one's yeah. in a routine, it's, it can be, you know, it can be pretty tough. So we certainly hold the space for, for both your dad and your mom. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've got to and do me anything too. with it. And you too. Yes. Yes. Of course. Of course. That's, that's, I'm messing with you. You know that, right? I know. I know it. I know it. Okay. And one of the things you might want to do is get mom some bioflavonoids, which strengthen blood vessels and, uh, can help to get rid of those mini strokes. Yeah. We, um, yes, yes. I, I will, I will you know, check in, into that. We've got that straight. She's not, it, it's been a two year, uh, been working with her doctors and her meds. So that's, that's pretty smooth. We're not having any incidents okay. of anything. Yeah. When she first came home, it was almost like every six weeks I was shocked. Like it turned out, it felt to me later, like clockwork, that there would be something going on. But now it's all smooth. We haven't had that. And thank you. Uh, you know, for the prayers and well wishes and energy and light and all that. And mm. I didn't call about that. I did not call oh, cool. about that. So I heard so what can last we week. You with? Thank you. you. You know, the the delays on this show is different. Um, I, I, last week you were talking about, it was towards the end of the week, it might have even been Friday, about uh, love and talking about. And you've talked about this before, and I was like, oh, I've got to hear that again. Um, that if you're looking for somebody to give you love, you you know, you're never going to get it. And, you, and you're not giving love to anybody. God is love. Would you just say more about that? Say it again. And are you offering a course or a little webinar or something about that? That's my question. Well, of course, the, the whole basis of the work is to support people in incarnating as love otherwise you know that uh the, the jingle the song i like to sing along with uh with this particular thought is uh and i forget who even did the song back many many years ago decades ago now but looking for love in all the wrong places looking for love in too many faces and that's what most people are doing and they've forgotten that the fact of who they are is love and so, actually, every workshop, every intensive, we start out with that as the premise and that the idea is to be restored to that. And the only way to be restored to that is to remove what's unlike that because as long as fear and guilt and rage and sadness and hatred and vengeance and generational patterns are in us, life is going to be resonated in to activate those things and those things will keep coming up in front of our face our faces and, and we'll tend to identify with that and think of that as who we are and lose the identification with the fact of who we are as love. So recognizing that love is a noun, it's not a verb. And, you know, uh, I love what Vladimir Lenin said. If you uh, change the meaning of a culture's words, you can destroy the culture. You can totally and completely get rid of people's experience of being who they are by filling them as children with some form of hostility or fear, which is kind of a tradition in the world, doing it under the guise of love. I mean, I've had discussions with people who, you know, they hit their children and think that that's a loving thing to do. And and I, I like to just, you know, for the person who brags on their parents and how great a job they did, and, you know, being hit never, never hurt me. Look how I turned out. And it's like, 
think about a newborn child, this awesome, sweet presence of love, and, and think about the first time that somebody in either their fear or hostility, which would be the only thing that would cause someone to raise a hand to a, a small child, think about the first time that an open hand slaps across the face, the butt, the shoulder, the head of that child and what that child goes through. And the tendency when that first happens is to lose identification with who we are as love and to start to buy into the messages that are given to us about ourselves by those who are dishing out the abuse. And the abuse can be physical, mental, emotional, verbal, cultural, racial, I mean, all kinds of crazy things. And if as small children we don't know any better, we buy into those messages. And, and you know, my take is that we actually form a self, an identity, based on those errant messages, and we fall away from or fall out of identification with ourselves as love and become the personification of those messages that the world's given us. This is the root of the codependence to interdependence work that we do. And so when I have, and usually it's a power person who delivers those messages most powerfully, and a power person is someone who has more power over my life at some stage than I do, and isn't functioning out of love, then they send me messages. And if I buy those messages, here I am a year, two, three years of age being told. I mean, some of the things that I've heard people say that their parents told them are, are just, you know, amazing. I remember one woman stood up in the class and she said, when I was six years old, my father came to me and told me that until I was born, they had the perfect family. And when I came into the family, I destroyed it. It's like, what a thing to tell a six-year-old child. But when we build an identity, a self, based in those messages, and the identification with that self becomes stronger than the experience of ourselves as our newborn essence, which is love, then we cut ourselves off, we lose the truth of who we are and buy into this picture in our mind of a body made of all of these messages. And my offering, you know, one of the things that I offer in the codependence intensive or, or workshop that I do is that the moment where we give up the physiological activity and presence of love as our identity feeding each cell in our body with ecstasy, the moment at which we give that up and buy into a self based in those messages is a moment of the most intense pain and rage that it will impact every instant of the rest of our lives. Until we go in and forgive that and collapsing the, the false self open to space for the true self-love to once again reign in physiology, the incarnation of love, the truth of who we are, the noun, not the verb. Then, instead of looking for somebody to love us, we function out of and as love. We are that space, and that space is the space of healing. That space is the space that dissolves all generational hostility or fear, all environmental hostility or fear, until we each get to return to the truth of who we are. And we're down to just the last few seconds, so I have to call time on it. You know how that is. I know you used to do your show. And, yeah. but, but tomorrow, if, if this isn't a complete conversation, I would love to continue because it's such a powerful, powerful topic. So if yeah, you've got the space to call right. in tomorrow and Let's continue the conversation. It would be awesome. It's a delight to hear from you. Thank you so much, and I will check in earlier. I'm, I'm meant to be here earlier if things happen. I understand. Blessings. Lots of love. Thank you. All righty. Okay, so we thank everybody for joining us, and you know, we, we get to close another hour. Have a blessed day. Create the best year yet of eternal life. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.